Welcome to a new episode of Live and Let Diecast. It's been some time, so we thought it would be appropriate to uh, open up a whole new series of podcasts with uh, one of our favorite guests, Patrick Strong, who is the owner and entrepreneur and brains behind Model Citizen Diecast. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. It is really great to be back. I'm excited that the podcast is making its triumphant return from the ashes. <laughs> yeah, we are too. We're, uh, you know, we're very excited. Uh, we think that we're going to work on a couple different directions. Uh, we may, for instance, uh, focus on things that relate to, let's say, you know, a given Formula One race. Maybe it would be vehicles from the area might be uh, you know vehicles from the brands that are associated with it in in this uh, upcoming season and then of course you know the standard uh, things that we do uh, in terms of talking about what have we bought you know challenges in buying and selling etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're really excited but uh, today you and I are at the automobile driving museum I guess the Zimmerman Right. Zimmerman Automobile Driving Museum in El Segundo, California. And uh, it's a fantastic museum. I've been here uh, many times, but uh, give uh, your 30-second uh, insight to what this museum is all about. Certainly. The Zimmerman Automobile Driving Museum was founded uh, more, a little more than 10 years ago, I think, uh, here in El Segundo, my hometown. Um it was founded by a couple of collectors as a place to display, house and display their collections. Uh, one of whom, the main driver behind it, was a man named Stanley Zimmerman. And Stanley, if I understand this correctly, and if I remember it correctly, was a particular enthusiast and collector of Packard and Studebaker. So back then, when you would come to the Automobile Driving Museum, it was not much more than a big red brick building packed with uh, Packards and Studebakers. So in the years since then, the museum has evolved. Uh, it has been become more curated and more managed to be more visitor friendly. Uh, they have a great events team here. Uh, the event space is wonderful. Uh, I will give a, a shout out to the fantastic uh, museum director, Marisol Herrera, who does fantastic work, has done fantastic work in promoting, promoting the museum, in honing the museum's message, which is getting people hands-on with classic cars. This is one of the few car museums that I know of that actually takes their cars out for public drives on Saturdays and Sundays, depending on the museum's schedule, they will pull a few cars out of the collection and museum visitors can sign up and get a ride around the block in a great old car. They have a very active, docent community of car enthusiasts who come in and keep the cars in good running condition. And it is a hands-on museum. If you are a visitor to the museum, you can come in and the cars are unlocked. And unless they're roped off or otherwise specified not to, you can get in the car, you can sit in it, you can check it out, and it's pretty fun. It's family-friendly. Uh, they, As I said, they have a wonderful event space, which is used for all kinds of things. They've got an old-fashioned uh, ice cream shop. Uh, we are sitting in their fantastic automotive library. 
which I've seen grow over the years from basically being just a couple of bookshelves with some cast off old, uh, the same cast off old car books that we've all had over the years. It's grown into a really nice space and it's open. You can just walk in and pick up a book and do some research or have a casual read. Uh, it's a great place. So if you find yourself in the LA area, uh, there are other car museums that get a lot more attention. We all know who I'm talking about. But uh, visiting the Zimmerman in El Segundo ought to be a part of any visiting car enthusiast's itinerary. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that was way more than 30 seconds. That's I realize. Okay. It's all right. And, and I I visited this museum uh, several times and I started to support it. Uh, and I found it completely... On accident, at first, I was staying at a hotel that's about a block away. <laughs> and I asked them at the front desk, is there a hotel? And they told me, yeah, that's right. Go go for about a block. And here it was. And it was amazing. And then you and I, uh, you know, I discovered that, you know, you loved this museum too. So we've talked about it in the past. And so today, uh, you held your second annual uh, Diecast Cars and Coffee. Right. I would hesitate to use the word annual in there because we it was our second ever diecast, <laughs> diecast Cars and Coffee. We held our inaugural event in 2020, and it ended up being pretty much the last automotive event of any kind in greater Los Angeles area for a couple of years, for at least a year, because you know, we all know what happened. Uh, so my great and grand plan to make it an annual event got derailed by that one year. But uh, due to popular demand, and by popular demand, I mean 12 people, uh, we, we uh, rebooted for for 2022. Uh, we piggyback on uh, it being uh, Porsche week here in LA. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, for a couple of days at the end of February, beginning of March every year, there are tons of Porsche-related activities that happen here. The Anchor event is the Porsche Literature and Toy Show, which happens at the LAX Hilton. takes two huge ballrooms. Uh, there are about 200 vendors occupying, occupying about 300 tables. Uh, this event has been going on for close to 40 years. And so anything you can imagine a Porsche enthusiast might want, you can find, there, find it there, whether it is original factory shop manuals, vintage racing posters, all manner of literature, small non-greasy parts, and of course, lots and lots of model cars. And so my company, Model Citizen, has been a vendor there for five or six years. Um, in addition to that event, there is a long-running 356 swap meet that happens on Sunday morning here. And from those two events, a lot of other things have cropped up. Thursday and Friday, the Thursday and Friday preceding Lit and Toy, a lot of the independent Porsche workshops and restoration houses and some of the dealers open up and have open houses. So uh, if there's one thing Porsche folks love, it's free food. So you can plan, plan your itinerary. Okay, I'm going to go to this open house because I know they have donuts in the morning and then I'll go get tacos at this next one. And the last one, they grill bratwursts. So we'll, we'll kind of go around and, oh yeah, we'll see some really fabulous cars along the way. And it is very cool and very fun. You get to look behind the curtain at some of these shops and see the work they have done or are doing right now. Uh, for example, one of the shops here found and restored the original serial number one uh, 67 911R. 
And so they continue to maintain that car and they had it you know, up on the lift at their shop. And that's just a thing that for free, you can walk up and see during Porsche week. So with all of these Porsche enthusiasts in town and already looking to spend money, there, I'll need to back up a step in a moment to talk about the genesis of diecast cars and coffee. But when trying to put this event on the calendar, it seemed like a good fit as long as there was already a group of potential customers and enthusiasts in town. Why not just piggyback off that? And that is precisely what we've done here. Excellent. And of course, uh, I actually, I didn't know about the Porsche week. Uh, Seriously? I had no idea. You got to get out here for that next I year. Know. There's a lot to see and do. Yeah. And uh, now today, I this morning, I went to the uh, annual Ferrari cruise in um, at the Peterson and saw some uh, wonderful uh, cars. Uh, and of course, um, they had just amazing vehicles uh, that you can only uh, imagine that you would see. Uh, I did uh, manage to at least get one of the Ferrari owners. Uh, actually, there were two of them, I believe, that came over here because I saw a Scaglietti uh, and then that gentleman in the uh, Ferrari 328 GTS. Beautiful Tour de France Blue 328 GTS with a crema interior. Like the perfect specification for that car if you are not of the all Ferraris must be red orthodoxy, which I definitely am not. Oh, I'm not either. Yeah. And it, it, it that car was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Beautiful and, car. And so he seemed to really enjoy the diecast cars and coffee. Uh, yeah. And he indicated that he was not uh, a diecast collector. It was something that was new to him, which is really one of the things that I'd like to accomplish with this event is bringing new collectors into the fold. Yeah, and he, you know, he's looking for a model that's like his car and he's willing to pay for it and then he's willing to have somebody uh, custom paint it so he which, talked to Which uh, is a good thing because he's going to have to. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And uh, he had a he had a good chat with uh, Dave at uh, Vintage 43. Right. Right? Yes. And so one of the best model painters in the business. The guy just does spectacular work in in custom Hot Wheels and in hand-built uh, white metal kits. He's got a real affinity for vintage 1970s, 1980s, the really small batch white metal kits like AMR. And I think he did some of the John Day models. If you go way back with model collecting, he's he's very keyed into all of that. Yeah, and I personally um, enjoyed walking around in the, uh, the booth next to yours. The gentleman there... Uh, was selling off his collection from his childhood. And I would say he was probably in his late 50s, wouldn't you say? Sure, I'll go with that. Yeah. And he just had some interesting things and I, I you know, I picked up uh, several items and you know, none of them are, you know, museum quality, although I did get a uh 143rd scale Porsche 550 Spider on the stand. He didn't have the cover. And of course, he didn't have the box. But in essence, I paid $10 for it because I just, I got 10 different things from him and it was 100 bucks. I mean, you can't beat that with a stick. Yeah. I like the idea that we model enthusiasts are embracing the concept of patina 
uh, the same way that the full-size collectors have. This, this idea that they're only original ones, which is true. And if we're talking about Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars, they were toys. They were, oh, sorry about that. They were always toys, and they're going to have playwear. To find a mint one, I'm sure they're, they're around and you'll pay heavily for them. But to embrace the charm of a play-worn toy car now as an adult collectible, it's nice. It First of all, it opens up a lot more inventory for us to collect or sell if we're a dealer. And it... I think it just adds a different level of fun to it. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I had no intention of buying anything. And what caught? That's my... right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what caught my eye was he had this really old uh, Triumph TR3, mm. and my father-in-law purchased the Triumph TR3 brand new when he was a young Marine, uh, right after graduating from the University of Kansas, and so. I always noticed TR3s, and then eventually he got a TR4, and then eventually he got a 1970s 911 and some other cars. I like that pipeline. That's yeah, a good pipeline. That is, it is. And so the uh, and and then I started looking, and he had he had a uh, couple Rolls Royce uh, silver, uh, I guess shadows, the the 70s Rolls, yeah. right? And they were the same color. They, you know, they were in okay shape as a, a one eighteen scale that I bought from Ryan, who was, you know, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. And I thought, oh, I gotta have those. They kind of just match it. <laughs> and one was kind of rougher than the other, uh, but it was interesting. And once upon a time, it was hard to find diecast Rolls Royce outside of some of the the toy level stuff. They were, as I understand it, very difficult uh, to get a license from. Huh. Uh, I know that the mint companies had some, but just some of your your household name diecast companies that we all know and love couldn't get a couldn't get a Rolls Royce license. Yeah, and I couldn't tell you right now what the brand of that eighteen one eighteen scale model is. I have. if if I had to take a stab at it, I would guess Paragon. But it, it is Paragon. Oh, You're right. Go. That's what it is. And um, and it's a beautiful model. I mean, I absolutely love it. I had to find a new um, spirit of ecstasy because it got stolen, as they do. Yeah. The mod- <laughs> unlike the real thing, the model doesn't have like that touch sensitive thing where it Goes retracts down. coyly into the grill. <laughs> right. So I, you know, of course, you know the classy guy that I am. I bought a gold one. It's all I could find. It's not actually gold, but... Um, hey, I, you do you, Elvis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was very uh, interesting, and I liked that. Um, it was nice to see uh, Cody Belashevsky, uh, another... Uh, did I say his name? Close enough, yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, he, he had a lot of his cars here, plus he's doing some cool uh, 3D-printed jets uh, as well. So I think, is he selling off his collection or just part of it? Good question. Um, I don't know if, if the whole thing is up for sale. I know that uh, a good bit of it, including a lot of stuff that I sold to him in the first place, like, eh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, I think he's going, well, yes, I think he's liquidating largely. Well, I think he graduated from college and now he's going to be... Finally, Cody. Yeah, right. And now he's going to be... Uh, and he has a great job and he's going to be uh, out on his own. He probably doesn't have 
as much space maybe as he did and and uh plus you know. yeah i don't know if you've heard but apartments here in the la area they're not giving them away so you'll no, sure. probably be moving into some fairly tight quarters yeah exactly so um but we're uh, certainly proud of him for graduating from college that's for sure and then uh the gentleman who had uh man he just had all the hot wheels and matchboxes uh yeah, that's uh, Delon from uh, Hot Wheels Support Group. Delon, definitely. Uh, if you are on the Instagram, definitely worth a follow. He's always got some interesting content, and he uh, does tons of shows in the area. Yeah. And I like that his his prices are not Looney Tunes. If you are if you are buying Hot Wheels on the secondary market, as opposed to biding your time and peg hunting, you could do you could find worse guys to deal with. Sure, and I had hoped to bring uh, my cousin Andy Hawker with us, but unfortunately, uh, he had to catch an early flight out of Los Angeles this morning to go back to Denver. And of course, Andy has about twenty-five thousand-ish cars. That's that's impressive. That's quite yeah. a collection. And he was telling me uh, yesterday that he's thinking about pivoting a little bit and looking more specifically for, you know, probably 18 scale type cars that uh, represent more prototype uh, cars. So something a little bit that he can maybe focus on. I'm sure he's still going to continue to buy all of the, the Hot Wheels Matchbox uh, to continue to add to his collection. But he is, you know, he is getting more 143rd and 118th scale cars as well so um i thought that that was uh really interesting and then there was another gentleman uh here today from uh san francisco or area and he was specifically down here for the porsche yeah know? so let's talk about that for a moment because that strikes at the heart of why there is a diecast cars and coffee uh, his name is david uh he is uh in the uh tech business uh, as his day job, as I'm in the music business for my day job. Um, we have gotten to know each other by vending at, I'm sorry, at uh, Porsche Litton Toy for the for a few years. He's very Porsche focused. He has an absolutely mind-blowing, uh, his personal collection is very good. And his, his tendency is to buy duplicates, you know, one for me, one to sell. And so he always puts out a good spread at Porsche Litton Toy. And so he and I were chatting after that event a few years back, two or three years ago, and we both separately had thought about the need for some sort of a diecast-related social event slash swap meet, a place where collectors could come and buy and sell and trade, but also just hang out and mingle and find community as diecast collectors. I've always thought that was important because collecting anything can be a lonely endeavor. You, It's a passion that we pursue in our homes in private. And thankfully, thanks to social media, thanks to podcasts, we find each other a bit more regularly, but there's no replacement for an in-person hang. And so... Uh, we had this idea to create that space. 
something more than just a swap meet though. There, you know, anybody can find a swap meet. We wanted to do something a little bit more, more of a cars and coffee feel. So there it was, diecast cars and coffee. And so I, being here local in the area, I took the ball and ran with it and registered the URL and found the space and we started promoting the event. And there it was. So we started in 2020. We had that year, we had nine or 10 vendors. And with a minimum of promotion, we were able to get about 200 visitors through the door. And uniformly, the feedback was, you've got to do this again. This was really fun. And it was pretty clear that we achieved our goal of create, of adding the social element to to just a swap meet. I think calling it Cars and Coffee had something to do with that because that's a concept that we all know. We know what you're getting into when you have a Cars and Coffee. Uh, of course, to do that, we actually had to have coffee as well. So that, <laughs> that was very important to me to have really good coffee available at, at this event. And so far, we've had a lot of success using our local El Segundo-based coffee roasters and, and vendors to, to help us with that. And so, with that in mind, once the world kind of reopened, we were able to book our event space at, at the museum once again. This time, we were able to attract 12 vendors, ranging from Hot Wheels, uh, hot, secondary market Hot Wheels dealers, to uh, people, like you mentioned, who were selling their own personal collection. We had another dealer here this year who is selling his late father's long-held matchbox collection. He didn't bring the whole thing today. He was really here to try to find a potential buyer for the entire collection. And I feel that this is a good place to do that because we have we attract serious collectors, but also they're conscientious collectors. If you sell to someone who is at this event, you know that you're selling it on to a good home or a good dealer. Uh, so David, my my partner in, in the genesis of the event, was the one who had you know, three tables of, of Porsche stuff. Uh, just it, it makes a lot of sense logistically. If you're going to come down here from the Bay Area to sell it that one thing, for very little extra spend, you can get a whole nother day selling. And I, I think it was worthwhile. I hope so. Yeah, I, I, hope so. I certainly yeah. had a great day. We had we had a lot of foot traffic come through. Sales were good, but more than just the the commercial aspect of it, I feel that we have been very successful in creating that social space around models. Because as I always say, and I'm certain that I've said this almost verbatim on this very podcast, but it bears repeating, model cars are something that unites almost every car enthusiast. We all got started the same way, playing with Hot Wheels, playing with Matchbox. And maybe, like me, you started collecting from an adult perspective at a very young age. Maybe it's something that you came back to as an adult. But they've always been that aspirational thing, that shorthand that communicates what we're about as car enthusiasts. And I, I like to keep that going as the, as the theme of Diecast Cars and Coffee. It's what we're all about. Let's come together and talk about it and hang out. Maybe buy a model. Maybe don't. It's cool. Here's some really good coffee. Let's hang. Yeah, it was awesome. I think it's a great idea. In fact, as you were saying it, I thought, geez, I should probably, you know, maybe Philip and I could uh, uh, whip one up for uh, 
the national capital region. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. So uh, you heard that, Philip. So we'll have to get busy. <laughs> um, okay, let me uh, switch gears uh, a little bit and ask you uh, about uh, Model Citizen. Uh, I've noticed uh, a few kind of subtle changes in what you're carrying. So uh, I've seen you've got some more high-end 164 scale, I think. Not on the website. No? No. Um, that's kind of a funny thing. To get... I haven't really figured it out yet. There are a lot of people selling high-end 164. I'm still trying to find my lane in that marketplace. I dabbled in it a little bit because of my the size of my business being very small. I wasn't able to get stuff at a price point where I could get a good return on it. And a couple of people were very polite in telling me so. And uh, so I'm still staying out of that water for now. So I did buy one from you, though. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it's at... Oh, maybe, you know, the, oh, gosh. Did you get that Alpha Zagato that I had? Maybe. I'd have, maybe. Geez, I'd have to, you know, look at home. Uh, that's a weird... To remember one specific transaction on one specific car tells you two things simultaneously. <laughs> one... My business is microscopic too. I am a giant nerd. That's yeah, right. Just that's yeah. what it is. But so then, if that if I'm wrong on what I was observing, what what is what what kind of changes have you made over the course of the pandemic? And it seems like uh, people, you know, have been spending gobs of money online. Did you see any of that come through? Absolutely. I can tell you that 2020 and 2021 were banner years for Model Citizen. Um, I won't go into private financial stuff, but I will sure. tell you that I was when I finally ran the numbers on 2021, I was shocked. Well, at, I think that at the gross revenue. Yeah, I think that Paddock Philippe you're wearing on your uh, yeah. wrist uh, shows it all. <laughs> He's and, very much lying. It's an yeah. entry level swatch. And I saw your Aston Martin parked outside. That wasn't my car. What? I thought that was your. You know, car. You, I'm still driving the car with which Model Citizen will forever be connected. My 1989 Toyota Panel Van. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. So you laugh, but that <laughs> van has done so much heavy lifting in terms of advertising and promoting the business because people recognize it. They look. For oh, it. there's that creepy little white van with the windows. Model Citizen <laughs> the white must van be here. <laughs> no, okay. I, I have to tell you, my I, I have a 10 year old daughter. I picked her up from school in it one time, <sighs> and she shouted loud enough for adults standing nearby to hear, hey, there's no candy in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome job. Thanks, raised. kid. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so so what what was moving during this? 43rd uh, scale. If I had to... Well, it was kind well, of everything oh, generally. I'm was sorry, moving. i got to interrupt you for just a minute. 143rd scale, right? Yes. So Lloyd, who goes to sleep at those digits being uttered, is wrong because he focuses on 118 scale. No, he's not wrong. He is. He is wrong. No, he's not. He's he's not wrong. He's and it's and it's never wrong to be focused. Oh, that's it, just because he buys cars from you. No, I, I, Lloyd, I can't remember the last time you bought a car from me, but <laughs> but it's cool. Um, no, it's I I have no problem with someone being focused. It's just that the growth that I've seen in sales has been in 143. And I like to think I understand why. Tell me. I think it is because 
more and more collectors are catching on to number one, how good those models can be, how much detail is getting packed into those models at what I would consider to be a fairly reasonable price. I look at a Spark model, a Spark 143rd scale model. I compare that to a BBR model from 20 years ago. They're pretty similar in the level of detail you get, and yet the Spark model today retails for $80. The BBR 20 years ago in 1999, 2000, 2001 was $200 back then. So they have become a really good value. So the other thing, the obvious thing with 43rd scale models is they don't take up that much space. People who've been collecting 118 scale models are saying, hey, I'm running out of room. You don't have that problem to, the, to such an extent with 43rd scale. And the other, then the other other thing with 43 is that the variety is bottomless. You know, 143rd scale was the original collector's scale in diecast going back to the 1930s. Really? Oh, yeah. So our hobby cropped up around 143. There were three companies in the 1930s that drove that. Up to that point in the post-World War One era. So World War One gave us die casting as a consumer, as a consumer manufacturing capability. Die casting was developed for during World War One so that gun parts could be manufactured uniformly. So that if you were having to fix a gun in the fog of war, you weren't finding yourself with two halves that didn't fit together. Die casting made it possible to make them uniform. So after the war ended there was this technology in search of an application and all sorts of products were being die cast toys among them one of the first big toy companies to take advantage of that was doust brothers in chicago who made the tootsie toy line that we all know but those toys were very much that they were very much toys and maybe it said cadillac on the box maybe it hinted at the general ethos of a buick but they weren't really detailed. It wasn't until the 1930s when three companies entered the fray that we started to get the more detailed models. One was Citroen, the car company. Andre Citroen was a visionary in terms of creating what we would now call a promotional model. He figured out that if he could make toy cars, realistic toy cars of the full-sized cars that he was making, he could get kids hooked on his brand at an early age. So that's where we get the, the idea of this is an authentic model of a real car. Not for nothing, but he also painted those cars with lead. So I don't know how those kids fared, but that's another story. <laughs> so company number two was uh, Solido. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of the Frenchman who founded that company, but he came up with the idea of adding highly detailed features to his model cars. Jeweled headlamps, windows on the cars, so working suspensions. So he took the basic toy car and added the more adult appealing detail elements to it. Of course, we're talking about the 1930s, so those things are gonna seem kind of quaint now, but for the time it was revolutionary. The third company was the Meccano, com Meccano Company in England. We all know Meccano from Erector Sets. And back then, they made an O-gauge, I think it was O-gauge, 
train set that was very popular. They decided that the popularity of the train set could be enhanced by adding accessories. And one of the accessories they came up with was the addition of road vehicles. So they scaled their road-going construction equipment and passenger cars to O-gauge, which roughly corresponds to about 143 scale. So from Citroën, we got models of real cars. From Solido, we got adult-facing detail. And from Meccano, we got the scale. And interestingly, Meccano had so much success with their railroad accessories that they spun off their road car line into its own separate brand. You know it as Dinky. Ah, so, okay. so all of that going back to why 43rd scale is so popular, one of the reasons is because there's so much variety. And if you are shopping for vintage items, you can go all the way back to the 1930s and find material. And of course, after the war, we had the, the explosion in die-cast companies in Europe. There were many Italian brands that we all know, Brum and Rio, uh, brands in Spain, brands in Israel. And of course, the German companies came roaring back. You had NZG. Uh, eventually, many champs would come along many years later. Um, and uh, so someone who's looking to start a collection or change focus in their collection, 143 is very appealing. It's really nicely detailed these days. It's fairly affordable, and there's a lot of it. Yeah, I, I love mine. In fact, uh, today there's a young man who bought um, a Porsche 911R from David, mm-hmm. and it, I, had the, I have the exact uh, same model. It's numbered. Uh, and I, I also like that uh, about some of those. Um, I've actually sold uh, a few cars myself where they were numbered and you know did all right. I mean, like we talked about earlier with uh, with the, the guy with the Ferrari. Uh, don't don't think that you're going to get in it to make a lot of money, right? Of course, right? Sure, that's the classic uh, piece of advice here. If you're buying a model car because you think it's going to appreciate, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah. And you're going to get stuck with something that you don't like and can't sell. Yeah. Can you hand me that bag right there? Oh, I, wanna, I, I want to show you something. Uh-oh. So um, this week, the reason that I came out here, was able to make this work uh, to join you, uh, was, was because I was at a conference in Colorado at this beautiful resort uh, called Broadmoor. Uh, and if you don't, if you know anything about it, it's um, uh, this gorgeous hotel on uh, right kind of in front of uh, Pikes Peak and um, Cheyenne Mountain and very famous. I mean, all the presidents have stayed there, royalty, movie stars, and it's it's a beautiful place. So I went to this uh, conference there and I noticed that they had... Oh, look at this. Um, they had a 143rd scale of the car that they used to use. Uh, and if you look at the picture on the back, I mean, they had tons of these cars and they would use them kind of to pick up uh, guests and whatnot. And it sort of reminds me a little bit of the hotel in uh, Hong Kong that did something similar, but with the green uh, Rolls Royces, whereas these are green uh, Cadillacs. And so uh, this one was made by Auto Modelo. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, they're not numbered or anything like that. Uh, it was not 
um, inexpensive, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't really uh, ask, and the, the girl ran it up, and I was like, oh, man, I am going to pay for this at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Automodelo's uh, stuff is never inexpensive under any circumstance, but they do very good work. And it's a beautiful model, beautiful paint. The running, I'm looking at the detail on the running boards is fantastic. The interior is great, nice dash, nice seats, good model. Thank you. Good. Now I feel a little bit better about I'm, it. I'm looking at it, and the artwork on the back of the box is actually reminding me of the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, oh, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Uh, you know, the inspiration for The Shining. <laughs> yeah, we've stayed. We've stayed at the Stanley as well, and um, uh, we love old hotels. My wife and I do try to stay in them when we can. So, um, yeah, that was fantastic. And by the way, um, Andy, uh, and this is a. I think this is a 164. And yeah. There we go. Yeah, this is a roof uh, Yellowbird. Now, is this the OG Yellowbird or is oh yeah, this is the original, the nineteen eighties Yellowbird, and not the uh, not the the reimagined Yellowbird that came out a few years ago. This is quite nice. Who makes that? This is by sixty four Para. Oh yeah, it's Paragon. So it's Paragon. same guys who same made your Rolls uh, your Rolls Royce. Yeah. And, yeah, this uh, is a nice model. The wheels are a little big, if I can. Rain on your parade here. The wheels seem a little <laughs> seem a little large in diameter for the uh, for the car, but otherwise, really, really nice. Of course, I love this. I love the Yellow Bird. It was definitely a, a car that touched me in a special way when I was a kid. Well, and Andy was buying. Uh, he actually found some uh, Hot Wheels and Matchboxes uh, that he didn't have. He's also oh, that was the other thing. He's really diving into getting original. Uh, Lesney's in the you know in the, in the super fast sure. and all that, which I actually have several of them too. Uh, so he he was like, "Oh, do you want do you want one?" And I'm like, "I'm like no." And he's like, "No, go ahead, pick one out." So they were sitting there, and I love the yellow bird. Mm. So you know it'll be a nice car, and I have a lot of Porsche models for whatever reason. The yellow bird was really kind of the first car video to go viral before that was such a thing. We've all seen the fascination video, the you know endless drift at the Nordschleife. That was really kind of the first viral car video. Yeah, I'm sorry for the, the noise. That's maybe. okay. They're going to throw us out of this museum in about uh, 10 minutes. Okay, <laughs> so let me uh, show you another one that I got, though, from here at the second ever, second annual they occurred in years, so maybe we should call them annual. Yeah. <laughs> we just had uh, Diecast Cars and Coffee. So it says it's a limited edition. It's a 550 Spider. I guess it's, it, and it's made by, oh, it's Mini Champs. Mm -hmm. So, um, yep. There you go. It's everything you need, nothing you don't. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't have the box, but in essence, I paid $10 for that. Yeah. And this came out, out of respect for privacy, I won't name names, but this came out of the collection. The, the vendor uh, is someone who is very well known in the Porsche parts world. Um, and he was just looking to downsize his personal holdings. Yeah, it, it was, and, and in fact... What a sweet little model it is, too. Great little seats. Yeah, and there was one other thing that he... He had, and I don't really know what it is, but it looks so oh. interesting. I had well, have it. Do you know what the car is? Well, it's a 356, I guess. Do you know which 356? Is it a Gamund? 
it this is the 356SL. This is oh, the the first Le Mans class winning Porsche. Yes. Yes. I knew there it's was a something. little unbuilt kit. Do we see who it's by? It's by hang on, let me tell you. Does that say various products? Because that's hilarious if it is. <laughs> so by Mark Products. Yeah, there's a white metal, uh, a classic white metal kit. Oh, that's really nice. So what should I do with it? You should send it to David Barnblatt at Vintage 43 and have him build it for you at an extravagant price and have a fantastic model. Or you could potch it together yourself. <laughs> uh, so he so like David at Vintage 43 I could say well I want mine to look like exactly like whatever yeah I, right? and of course the thing to do with that is you build it into a replica of the one and only that car race winning car or you could ignore orthodoxy and do whatever you want with it so again $10 I call it a good buy the thing about those old white metal kits is that they're very affordable um ask David how affordable, but you'd be surprised at how how cheaply you can buy them on on eBay. And if you have the ability to do the work yourself, you can end up with a really special piece for not much money. I don't have that ability. That's why I got into diecast in the first place, because it made it possible to buy a perfect model car without messing it up with your with my lack of skills in putting models together. Only thing gets I, together. Yeah, the only thing I hesitate to do is that it's all the way it was whenever it was made. It, yeah. It's in its plastic bag. It's and, stapled. And, and that's fine. If that's if that's what you're into, then run with it. I think that, as they say, they're only original ones. On the other hand, it was meant to be built as a kit. Yeah. So it's just, I guess it's just whatever turns you on with it. There's no right answer. There's no one right way to collect do your thing. Do what makes you happy. Because it's not going to make you rich. <laughs> <laughs> not that. Um, so tell me about, uh, real quick, because you're right, we only have a couple minutes. But tell me quickly, uh, go over three of your favorite cars that are available on uh, model, model Citizen Diecast. Okay. Let's see. Well, we'll start with the latest and the greatest. I just got in... It's taking forever to get new product. I'll start with that. Uh, but I just got in Mini Champ's new line of 718 Boxster and Cayman GTSs. They're very cool. They come in interesting colors. Um, I'm thinking about keeping a Gentian Blue uh, Cayman for myself. Uh, so those are pretty neat. What else have we got? Oh, something else that we've been waiting on forever keeping it in the Porsche world, is the Spark 143rd scale 73 RS Carrera 3.0 press release car. This was the, uh, this is a replica of the car that Porsche unveiled to the media as they were moving into the short hood phase, the G-Series uh, 911s. So it would have been a model year 1974 car. It's exactly what you would expect from a Spark model. Great body, perfect wheels, nice interior, wonderful paint. The Carrera stripe is gorgeous. Uh, and it took them long enough. I pre-ordered that thing approximately 8,000 years ago, and it finally just showed up. Um, <laughs> Let me know. interrupt real sure. quick on your the, the Boxster GTS. Mm -hmm. Or is that the same? Is that the Spider? No, it's a different... It's 
if I know my Porsche option boxes correctly, it's the it's the model level, it's the trim level below the Spider. Okay, because I was talking to Matt Farah this morning. Oh, about his car that oh, yeah, and his car was guy. on that ship. That's terrible. Yeah, so he he told me that they're gonna rebuild it. And well, I mean, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. And but his was a special thing. He was having a Boxster Spider with the uh, what do they call it? It's that company that does the four and a half liter. It's basically a nine eleven engine. Right. It was gonna out. yeah. It was gonna be delivered to that the guy in right. New York. Yes. And then it was gonna be all modded up, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was uh, uh, what uh, the uh, comedian uh, comedian friend of his uh, had it done with his uh, uh, GT four okay. Tom Segura. Okay. Yeah. So and Tom, I guess, just loves his, and basically, you know, it, you go and smoke. 911s with it sure. all day long. How humiliating. Yeah. So, okay. So, so yeah, moving on. Three. So, what's the third one? I got to find something for our 118 friends. Um, I'll tell you one that's coming rather than one. We'll keep it Porsche since it's Porsche weekend. We are finally, finally going to get the 991.2 GT2 RS from AutoArt. They've been teasing this model literally for years. And we're finally about to start getting those in. And being a kind of a, a bit of a Porsche specialist, those who are interested in getting an auto art model of that car can find that at Model Citizen. I can't tell you exactly when, but it should be within the next couple of months. Fingers crossed. 992. No. No. The 991.2. That's how far behind we are. Okay, so 992 model 992 GT3 models are starting to come along. Uh, the Mini Champs model is out. I've got uh, a bunch of them on pre-order. So when they finally decide to come in, hopefully they won't be on another boat that catches fire. Uh, but when those come in, I'll, I'll have a bunch of those. But for now, we're still waiting for the 991.2 GT2 RS from AutoArt. It's on its way. Cool. Hopefully soon. Now, how about a... So my sister just took delivery... On a 992 uh, Carrera Targa 4S in chalk. Ooh, I think with that's a white nice. leather interior. With white white leather on chalk? That's a yeah, that's a choice. I think so. Well, I'll tell you what, it's beautiful. Okay. And uh, they got it at list. That was the best part. They there you go. They charge. Uh, in in these times? Yeah, right. Amazing. I saw the craziest, uh, one of the craziest spec cars I've seen. Uh, parked on the street outside one of the open houses a couple of days ago, there was a Boxster Spider in whatever they call it. I think it's Lizard Green or Viper Green. I don't know what the, the PTS, the Extra Charge Green is, but it was that with a red leather interior. Hey, I like Some, that. I, someone pointed out it looked like a Christmas M&M's bull. I'm like, yeah, there you go. The, you know, I, I would never... I would never, but someone did, and yep. and you know more power to them for making the bold choice. So you know, let me know when they start seeing that because I'll buy it for her for a, a gift. Well, there you go, and I'll give the plug. If you are looking for you listeners, are looking for anything in particular, don't hesitate to reach out to us at Model Citizen. You can check out our website, modelcitizendiecast.com. You can click the contact us. That email goes straight to me, and I will generally tell you sorry you're never going to find what you're looking for but maybe 
maybe I will be able so, to help you. So when we email you or email the contact info, it goes to you. It doesn't go through your, I your have minions. No, I have no, down. I have no, you saw the minions today, my 12 year old, and my 10 year old. They're not, they're not getting an email from me. <laughs> No, it's it's me, baby. It's I am I am model citizen. And so where uh, where are you? Are you on Instagram? Yep, oh, Instagram, right. Facebook, Twitter, not TikTok. <laughs> but uh, my kids keep trying to drag me to that. Oh yeah, Instagram is a good place. I always put the new stuff there. Second, the, the email list members get the earliest heads up on any new stuff that comes in. Then it goes to the socials. Yeah, in fact, that's how I found out about. This event today was you sent me an email and I looked at my work calendar and I'm like, ooh, I can make that. Well, I'm really glad happen. you did. It was it's you know always great to see you and in yeah. this circumstance, even better. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. So uh, okay, well, I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, reboot episode. I thank you for being well, here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm and, really glad uh, this worked out. I actually I really did want to have uh, Lloyd on, but he was working, uh, and then uh, you know. I, you know, you, you, you'll get more of some, you'll get some Scott and some Philip and maybe some Ryan if I can get them to not be so crusty. Uh, That's good. I miss the crew. It's uh, the Live and Let Die cast group is one of the best. <laughs> uh, and I'm not just saying that because you had me on your podcast. This is a good bunch of guys and uh, it's, I am happy to be part of the extended family. Well, we, we really appreciate you too. So uh, check us out. Uh, you can find uh, Live and Let Diecast on Instagram uh, still. You can find me on Instagram, dan.moskueda. Uh, and we do have a Facebook page. I don't know how much we've been paying attention to it lately. But thanks for listening. And uh, keep uh, watching your feed. We should be offering you new content uh, as we go along.